This podcast is a 98 Studios production. Hey, it's Christy. Welcome back to Do The Work. Today and every day, we will talk about things that really matter. You, your thoughts, your feelings, and your experiences. Relationships are what matter most, and they can be complicated. If you'd like a better connection with yourself, with others, and with God, you are in the right place. So glad you're here. Welcome back to Do The Work. I have, I've spent the month of February talking about relationships, what love is and what it isn't. And it is so fun to see you listening from so many different places. And I'll just name a few from the United States, from Zimbabwe, Albania, Australia, Samoa, and so many cities in different states in the United States, Seattle, Washington, Laie, Hawaii, Salem, Oregon, New York, New York, Los Angeles, California, Chicago, Illinois. I just wanted to give you a shout out because it's so sweet and fun for me to know that these messages are being heard by many people. And I just want to keep inviting you to when you hear something that resonates with you or when you hear something that feels like it could help someone else. Will you share it? Every time you share, every time you leave a review, every time you give us any star, any a rating, um, and five is my favorite rating, it helps the podcast. So thank you so much and welcome to all of you from wherever you're listening from. For the next many podcasts, I want to talk about principles or give specific tools to help us learn how to love more fully and how to be more connectable in our most important relationships. So I have invited who I could tell I could I could spend a lot more time with and be very happy about it. But I have invited Gainalyn Condi to join me today to chat about one of those principles. Gainalyn, thank you for coming. Thanks for inviting me. This is fun already. I the the pre-show is always like <laughs> I almost wish we tape all the pre-stuff. I agree. Yeah. You you are so I invite you. You're just such an easy person to be around. This is our first time meeting, and I'm not kidding. I feel like I'm going to be mad if I don't get a Christmas card. Christmas <laughs> well, I already have a gift in the mail, okay. so by tomorrow, okay. we'll count it early for Valentine's Day. Okay, okay yeah. good. I did notice your cross necklace. Yes. And I wear a cross ring. Yes. I love the cross. And when I see it, regardless of what religion anyone is, I immediately feel like, oh, you know, or you love Jesus Christ. Right. That's why I started wearing it a couple of years ago. And in my faith, it's not the iconography really mm-hmm. associated, um, but it's opened up really good conversations. I love doing interfaith work mm-hmm. and um, I'm working on building an interfaith community on social media and And so it's created an opportunity to have conversations with my Christian friends and my non-Christian friends. And, um, and then I, I probably should just produce something because I don't, everyone wants to know where you got it. Everybody wants to know where I get it. I'm like, just Google on Etsy. You can find it. (laughs) That's, that's awesome. And that's for me, I wear, mine's just a small little ring, a small little cross. And it's a reminder uh, from the Savior inviting us to take up your cross. Like there's nothing in our lives that with him helping us carry our cross that we can't get through. And I need, I'm a very visual learner. 
I like I need reminders. Well, for me, it's very tactile too. I, I started wearing it about five, six years ago when I needed more of a grounding tool during mm-hmm. the day to kind of bring me back to that place of faith and out of fear. Mm-hmm. And so there I have two of them and they're kind of rubbed off. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> they're not beautiful. as shiny because <laughs> I tend to rub them during the day to remind myself of who's who I am and whom I belong to. And when you buy them from Etsy and not Tiffany's, they rub off easier. Exactly. <laughs> I have looked at the Tiffany one, though. I'm wink, wink to my husband. <laughs> Been in the shopping cart. Okay. I'm going to, I'm just going to share a little bit about you. Okay. So that my listeners can know the gift that we're being given today. Gaina Lynn is a popular motivational speaker. Okay, time out. This and I have ADD just in case. Yeah, it's fine. Not diagnosed, but I can go all kinds of different places. Husband and son, check check. So I'm <laughs> okay. very aware of the stewardship. But Galen is a popular motivational speaker. First line of her bio. I had heard her uh, or of you in different ways. But a couple of years ago, um well, about a year and a half ago, I was invited to speak at BYU's conference on divorce. Um and I had been divorced for three months at that point. So I was attending the conference and you were one of the main speakers. And again, Lynn, I I don't remember what you said, but I remember feeling loved and seen. And so I was there sharing, you know, ways that I would help us get through divorce. But I was there as a very wounded um, individual as well. And so... Thank you for being a popular motivational mm. speaker. Do you know what? Just to mention that I've done a lot of events, but that that event, I randomly hear from a lot of people that were there. And that was a sacred space, especially because um, when I'm in an event where there's a lot of male attendees mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they go vulnerable, yep. it's a sweet space. Yep. And that I remember from that day. There were so many men there with hearts open that were breaking and and trying to be healed, and they allowed themselves to be emotional. And so yeah. I feel like women, we generally lead a little bit more out with our hearts. I don't want to overgeneralize, yeah. but yeah, as a speaker, it's always sacred space when men are willing to go there too. I probably should go back. I didn't see the men. <laughs> so I really You didn't need to be there for that they, reason. I know they it's were there. But I didn't it's see them. It's okay, fine. I'm going back to you. Okay. Galen's known for inspiring others with her unique honesty, authenticity, and spirit. She's dedicated to her family, faith, and inspiring others. Galen loves teaching others with speaking and writing. She graduated summa cum laude from Arizona State University with a bachelor's in education and a minor in psychology. Gaina Lynn has experienced healing from a major chronic illness. What one? Lupus. I have lupus. You do? Oh, my wordy. Yeah. Okay. And our mutual friend, Steve Berry, is always like, I can't be your lupus doctor. You have to find you somebody have to find else. A rheumatologist. Like, yeah. 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 Oh, wow. Good. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, uh, healing from a major chronic illness and is the mother of two miracle children. After the heartbreaking suicide of her 40 year old sister, Gaina Lynn is constantly working towards prevention. She lives with an open heart and feels passionate about sharing principles that will empower others to live life with more joy. She's a regular television radio host, guest, and hosts the popular shows Talk of Him and The Middle. 
Ganolin's talks and books have now encouraged thousands of people all over the world. She loves growing older with her supportive husband, Rob, though he doesn't notice earrings, and aims to keep learning and loving. He's going to be so happy. Rob, you've got to see the earrings, Rob. Okay. Gaina Lynn has 17 published books, including one of her latest books, The Stewardship Principle, and I Can Forgive with God. The principle that I want to talk about today is forgiveness. Um, forgiveness and forgiveness obviously applies to all of our relationships. I had an experience, Gaina Lynn. It was four years ago, and I know because it's now a, a a political year where we're voting again, mm-hmm. right? It's an election year. It was an election year, and I had a neighbor and friend who was very passionately voting for uh, for someone and against someone. And I had posted that, hey, I'm not posting to say anyone else should vote for this, but I'm 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 posting because I want to say we all get to have an opinion, right? And we all get to have a voice and and you're not bad if you vote one way or another. And anyway, um we had a little dialogue and someone else had voted had said something and I I had responded with, well that that's not true across the board. Here are some of other facts. Wasn't trying to argue, but was trying to just speak in that space. And this friend came right at me and was like, all the things. And I had hard feelings. I didn't, I didn't want to engage with her anymore. And I felt like it was very um, attacking and not, like there was no space for me to have a different opinion. Mm-hmm. And so several weeks went by with that and maybe a month or two. I don't even remember the time. But I started to recognize that my feelings towards me were hurting, towards her were hurting me and not her. And I didn't want to hurt her. I just was mad and hurt by the way she'd shown up. And I remembered something that I had learned long ago, that if you don't love someone, then you don't know their heart. I really believe that, that if we could see every person's heart, we would love them. And so I called her up and I said, would you go on a walk with me? I want to know why you're voting and feel so strongly about what Mm. because before then I'd just been sharing my opinion to to match hers. And not hearing. I hadn't tried to see and hear her. And so today as we talk about forgiveness, I think forgive. I have other experiences in my life that I get to forgive and that I've learned different things through. And and this one is a simple example of where I realized I, I actually want to forgive. And I could, I didn't know how to do it with that being my last interaction. It, it wasn't my last interaction. I had a lot, I mean, we're neighbors, we're friends. But I wanted, because there was an option to see her heart, I wanted to see her heart. And it changed mine. Well, I think that's a powerful example because we don't always take the next step when we do get hurt. And what I find when we talk about forgiveness, and I think it's C.S. Lewis who says this, it's, you know, it's a great thing to talk about and post about and write about and sing about and Mm -hmm. all the things until you're asked to be in the space where you are required to walk through the forgiveness gate. Mm 
Yes. But in that example, I think it's so powerful. Um, I tend to be an addresser by personality trait and mm-hmm. not everyone is. Yeah. And I've learned that, that yeah. when I get triggered, it's always my teacher. And I get to invite myself to say, okay, what is that trigger telling me about where I'm at? And then the other thing, and for your listeners, they're not going to be able to unhear this, so I apologize, but um, (laughs) we judge where we feel vulnerable. No doubt. And so anytime I'm in a lot of judgment, (laughs) I get to invite Mm -hmm. myself to say, why is that triggering me? And I think especially when, when we're talking about politics and social media infused, it is we do think that in some ways we understand each other's hearts because we see posts on social right. media. I just saw you with your kids. And, yes, yeah. <laughs> but it's a very one-dimensional. I mean, as a social media content creator, I try to show a variety of my stewardships and lenses, and I try to be really authentic. Like, I think I just posted a Reels from yesterday. It was straight up like, I'm going to post that with my hair looking like that straight out of bed. You know, it was not like cute influencer out of bed. <laughs> and um but we think we know. We yeah. think we know. And we don't take the next step that you just took to have that conversation. And so I would just say for me, it's a constant invitation when I do get triggered to realize that not everyone wants to go on that walk no, and have that conversation. But there are always opportunities where we can step forward into the forgiveness, regardless of how the other one's acting, so that we're not hurting ourselves. It's so it's so true. And really, forgiveness does not require that someone go on the walk with me, right? Mm-hmm. Like I I can look at my own heart mm-hmm. right to what you were speaking to. Why what am I holding on to? Yeah. What have I taken personally? And specifically, not to stay in the politics zone too long, but I, I think some of the great thought leaders of the world right now are inviting us to ask when we other each other, yeah. when we other and we make this group of people about something that we think is really when we get that polarized, whatever spectrum we're on, Mm -hmm. it's based on some fear. No doubt. And disenfranchisement is like chronic right now. There's so many groups that are feeling like they're not being heard. They're not being valued. They don't know what to do with their pain. And so an election year comes up and it's a perfect opportunity. And social media is a safer zone to say, this is what I feel. I did a post recently, political, and anyone that follows me on social, like the percentage of political posts I've made in in the last decade are like 0.008%. And all <laughs> I, for the yeah, I mean, my accountant husband will be so proud of that <laughs> stat. But I did a reshare of a candidate that I I value what yeah. she's saying right now. Yeah. And I got some backlash like, no, 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 you can't be that. I only go to your accounts because they're uplifting. And you talk about stewardship and I'm like, but once again, your intention in posting. One of my stewardships is I'm a member of a society where I get to vote. I live in a country where it's a freedom of choice. And so as much as I'm, I don't really use my platforms for those conversations, I do think we've also gotten out of the habit of having those awkward conversations on a walk and understanding each other's hearts when we feel very differently about something. And because we don't use those muscles, they've gotten kind of weak. It's so true. I grew up where every night at dinner we talked about the headlines and politics and we built those muscles to have those conversations. And now I think because of social media 
we aren't we aren't having the walks and the talks and post covid and sitting on the porch and, and sitting talking. on the porch and so yeah. we've stopped those mu- muscles have atrophied and we don't know how to sit down across from someone that votes differently worships differently looks differently um dresses differently than us and really embrace that you know which is so applicable to what we're talking about today because we we have these little moments of interaction and then we're very good at taking everything personal as mm-hmm. humans right like oh that they were being rude to me mm-hmm. or and then when we when we don't know how to reengage in the conversation it's so easy to hold on things for so long okay that is really good i so if we move to forgiveness i, I don't know if you've heard of the book i i'm reading it right now by lisa tight Tykerst. I'm not sure how to say her last name. It's called Forgiving What You Can't Forget. Mm. She says, forgiveness is me driving a stake in the ground and declaring that I've suffered enough from what another person has done to me. So I'm going to detach my ability to heal from someone else's choices. Wow. That (laughs) is a beautiful truth bomb. Yeah. I mean, I've written a book on forgiveness. It's a compilation book in the With God series. And all of the stories are very, the story I share about my own life is, is forgiving myself really. Mm-hmm. But um, there's some forgiveness stories in there that I've heard from a lot of readers that have my books and that's the one that they aren't quite brave enough to open yet. The forgiveness one. The forgiveness one. And, and the reason I like sometimes as an author writing compilation stories is each chapter's more bite-sized and mm-hmm. you don't have to read a whole book. Yeah. Um, but I think that's such a powerful principle that the forgiveness gift is really the gift that we give back to ourselves. And I would also say it's not a destination on a map. Mm-mm. It's not like, you know, I get there and then I build my camp and I'm good and solid forever. Mm-hmm. I think it's more the analogy of the onion or whatever you want to see in layers. and I. But I do think there's a moment for all of us where it's that last little bit, you know, like maybe I've gone to therapy, I've processed the trauma, I've done EMDR for the betrayal, whatever the tools mm-hmm. you've used, and I'm throwing a few out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and you think, okay, I'm good. And then there's that last little like, you know, the bottom of the dish, you can't get the corner yeah. frosting or whatever. Yes. And, and when I get to that spot, I think that quote you just shared is so powerful. It's like, have I given myself permission to say the pain is been seen by, for me, it's God. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've got to turn it over to him because it's just too heavy for me to keep carrying. Yeah. So it, and, and so often we don't even know that we're carrying it because forgiveness is both a decision and a process, mm-hmm. like you just said. Mm-hmm. So, so there's a lot of misconceptions about forgiveness. Right. What are they? What are your thoughts about that? Oh, okay. So I've been praying on this when I knew we were going to talk about this. And I will say this. I just said this like five times. So I don't know if well, this is going to edit any of that out, but <laughs> here we go. Can't wait for this. Um, this, the big this that I'm going to say is I don't believe forgiveness equals access. Mm. And I think that we have a misconception in our core that if we've worked through the forgiveness process, that other person has now 100% access to us. Mm. 
I have someone in my life right now that does not get to have access to me. I understand exactly why they are showing up in the world the way they are. And I have gone through the process of trying to reconcile, be in each other's lives, and then something else happens and the bridge gets blown up again. And so currently, until God says different, that's literally what happened the last time this happened. Mm -hmm. That person doesn't get to have access to me. And another extended family member is really sad because this individual is kind of ostracized from a lot of people by their choices, right? Right. And this individual was talking to me about forgiveness, Mm -hmm. you know, and gave a little mini sermon about like forgiveness. And I said, oh, please understand, I am not holding any hatred or anger or lack of forgiveness. That person is put in a place in my life where I hope the best, I pray for them, but they don't get to have access to me Yes, because I love me just as much as I love them. And it's not safe for either of us. It's not loving if we stay in a dance together. So I think the big this I'd like to share is please be aware that you can use forgiveness to mean the doors open for an ongoing relationship. You can use forgiveness for an ongoing relationship with yourself. You can use forgiveness as an ongoing relationship with God. But it doesn't all mean the same thing. And it doesn't equate the same thing. It doesn't look the same. It doesn't mean that like if someone even has access to you that you're hanging out with, that you've even forgiven them. I mean, if we really flip that coin around. (laughs) That is so true. There's a lot of people in our lives we're hanging out with and we're holding on to a lot of resentment and anger and and we're not in forgiveness with them, but it looks like we're fine because we're doing all these things together. And so the opposite can also be true. So I would offer that because I believe... um, that when we really have that sink in, some of the fear of forgiving melts away. Mm. Because when we're holding on to some lack of forgiveness, and I wouldn't even quantify it beyond that because it can be anger, it can be sadness, it can be a lot of things that's underneath that. Right. If we go to the core of what that is, is sometimes there's just the fear of being abused again or hurt again. Mm -hmm. And if we remove that by saying, I get to go through the forgiveness process and offer that gift to them and to myself, but we don't have to Mm re-engage in the same way, Mm -hmm. then all of a sudden, what happens to our shoulders? Do they melt a little? So that would be the first invitation I'd like to Sitter. Yeah, I really like it. And and the thing that's beautiful t- about that to me is that the command is to love. And if if we have that false belief that somehow if I if I forgive you, then you have to be in my life. And I'm not going to feel love. If we're afraid, if there's like I love how you said the bridge gets blown up again. We're just afraid that that's going to get blown up over and over again. It's impossible to love. We're at that point, we're in total control, mm-hmm. right? We're just showing up. We're going to the family activities or whatever. Mm-hmm. But when we recognize that you matter and the other person matters, and that may, sometimes that means that you don't have access to me, you can obey the command to love, and you can also feel safety inside of 
that relationship with that person until God says something different. And let me just drop another truth bomb. God is in in Christian faith, God is love mm-hmm. at the essence of who God is. Mm-hmm. And God doesn't give access to everyone. Mm-hmm. God is a very boundaried um, being. Very. And so one of the things that I think is also important when we talk about forgiveness as a principle is that being a boundaried person creates safety and love and forgiveness. And when you're a boundaried person, you actually are able to give and receive more of that love and forgiveness. And the reality is God is very boundaried. He doesn't chase people down. He doesn't force himself on anyone. He says no. Mm-hmm. And when we're struggling to say no to people we love, can we remember that this being that we define as love says no to us all the time? Yeah. But no, no is not mean. No is not mean. Yeah. No is not mean. And so one of the other things I have to remind myself in relationships is they're messy. Mm-hmm. We're all learning mm-hmm. and boundaries can move. Mm-hmm. You know, I have some relationships right now where there's not a zero access. But there's also not complete enmeshment. (laughs) The reality is, is that if we can kind of see that boundaries can be adjusted depending on how we're feeling with some individuals or in situations. The other thing I would say on forgiveness, and I just had this experience last night. Mm. So I felt like it was divinely orchestrated for this conversation today. I'm going to be careful on too many details. Um, I've started venturing into the world of sourdough bread, and I'm the last person on the planet to not play pickleball or start (laughs) sourdough bread baking, but I have still not done pickleball, but I am... I am for my own mental health. I'm currently not hosting a weekly show and and I'm an empty nester. And so I, I'm still having other professional things happen, but there's 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 peaks and valleys yes, and I'm more space. Yeah, there's more yeah. space. And so I ventured into the sourdough bread world and every day I wake up and I make a couple loaves and pray about who needs it. And God said to take it to someone yesterday that I was like, no, no, <laughs> please no. Are you kidding me? I mean, I know the tension and I know what I had a story of what I thought had happened for them professionally. And we were involved in the same organization and and I've had some shifts in my professional life in that organization. But this individual had had some really hurtful things, but we had never had the conversation because I was still in and that person was out. That's all I'm going to say about that. So it was a big snowstorm yesterday. And GPS was taking me the wrong. There were so many opportunities for me to bail on this sourdough mm-hmm. mission. And um, and I persevered. And at one point when GPS wasn't working, I said, God, you're the one who said, and I can't find their house and you need to help me here if you really want this. So I found the house and then I thought, well, it's nicely packaged. I can just leave it on the porch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> check. God's like, you are knocking on the door. And I did. And an hour and a half later, as I got back in my car, I will just say we shared some really honest stories with each other. And she shared with me some things that I had no idea had happened. Mm. I was able to then share with her things that had happened to me. Yeah. And it was one of those moments I reflected as I drove home, if I hadn't been willing, it felt really scary 
you know, and sourdough bread can solve a lot of problems because you just hand <laughs> a loaf of bread and most people are just like, what? You yeah. know? Yes. Um, but we hugged and we talked and um and it was a reminder to me because I said to this person, I'm so sorry that we didn't have this conversation and I didn't know this information three years ago. And they said to me, the time wasn't right yet. Like mm. both of us had continued to have experiences. And so the other big thought I would have on forgiveness is trust timing, honor boundaries for the other people too. And and I had seen this individual at an event maybe six months ago, and I could tell that there had been some defrosting on both of our parts. It wasn't like full-fledged door open. Yes. But man, can we just assume that everybody's dealing with some stuff and the way we treat each other is more of a reflection of how we feel about ourselves than how that person feels about us? Yes. Every single time. So the first example I gave you of the person that doesn't have access to me right now, I know that they treat others that way because of how they feel about themselves. No doubt. Yeah, that is spot on. But if I'm going to be a loving, healthy individual, giving them access to me is not loving or healthy. The second example I give you is that I know what I tried to do when things felt off for them. And I didn't necessarily think the issue was between us, but because of the situation we were both in, professionally right there was a lot of pitting against and and stories that develop and so those two examples to me are an example of like yesterday was miraculous and I could have gone the rest of my life and so could she have without ever having that conversation so it felt like a gift but it had been very orchestrated and Mm -hmm. it was gentle Mm -hmm. and God's like take the stinking bread let me give you a gift yeah yeah the bread sorry god says stinking to me sometimes yeah he does sorry that's a good no, that's <laughs> he does maybe and not by the way you. i'm gonna start asking everybody if they've gotten sourdough bread from you <laughs> listen <laughs> people have been asking if i'm gonna start a business but i'm loving that it's still like that's fun. every day i wake up and i say who needs it god so oh, i love yeah. that okay so a few other misconceptions about forgiveness um that some people feel like they have to heal before they can forgive. Or that if I forgive, then what happened isn't really that bad. Or if I forgive, then I can't ever talk about it again. Or none of that is true, right? That is, those are just made up beliefs that we hold on to. And sometimes sometimes people share them as truths, and they are not the truth. Forgiveness again, is both a decision and a process. And we get we get to keep opening our heart, keep opening our mind and choosing it. I'm going to say that quote again by Lisa. Lisa. Forgiveness is me driving a stake in the ground and declaring that I've suffered enough from what another person has done to me. So I'm going to detach my ability to heal from someone else's choices. I will just say I am very aware and sensitive that in your audience right now, their forgiveness can be from a political post on social media to um, an oversight in a promotion at work to abuse. No doubt. And my sister that died 10 years ago in March, 
of by suicide um, had been sexually abused by our babysitter. <sighs> so for those that are talking about betrayal trauma in marriages or abuse, forgiveness is a pretty heavy rock to push up a mountain. But as you were just saying that about signaling healing or that you don't have to remember it anymore, what came to my mind is where we started this conversation with wearing the cross is that the Savior to me is the example of forgiveness. He gives that gift to each of us freely and he carries his scars, you know, and and I would just say for me, the most inspiring individuals are those that were wounded and have become wise. Hmm. Those individuals that are wounded and now doing the wounding, wounding, wounding mm-hmm. of others, mm-hmm. that, you know, in that same conversation I just had yesterday, <laughs> I was sharing my pain. This other individual shared her pain. She won. I turned to her. I was like, sorry, you won. You won on the pain scale, mm-hmm. you know? And yet I know I say that half jokingly because really pain, if you laid out a list of all the traumas of someone's life and laid it next to mine, it may look like, well, they have every right to be in in wounds and anger and not in forgiveness. The reality is pain is pain is pain. Mm -hmm. And I think as a society, we have a pain problem. We don't have a forgiveness problem, an addiction problem, a political problem, an economic problem. We have a pain problem. If we look at whatever is the headline or whatever is the reaction to the headline, it is unresolved and processed pain. And when we create space to process pain, then that wound becomes wisdom. And wisdom is only knowledge with experience. We can read all the books. We can talk to all the people. We can listen to all the podcasts. But until you experience that, as I sat there with this friend yesterday, I realized we're not the same two people of three years ago. We both have been asked by God in my mind to go through some hard stewardships. And that's why I teach that principle is that when you look at someone's pain list and you see that some people have been asked to walk some really heavy burdens through life, those in my mind are stewardships. Mm -hmm. So the Holocaust survivor that comes back and becomes a mental health advocate. Edith Eager. (laughs) One of my heroes. Mine too. Viktor Frankl, Uh right? What would have happened in the world? What gift would they have offered if they didn't take their pain and create purpose or take their wound and become wise? And so when you are looking at someone that's dealt a blow of racism, of betrayal, of addiction, of abuse. Um, I, I, my kids tease me all the time. I'd rather see a movie about a true story or read a book about a true story than a fake one every time. Every single time me. I say, hey, we just saw the greatest movie. My kids go, let me guess. It's a true it's a story. It's a true story. Comes from- right? <laughs> that's totally me. And, and yeah. that's because to me, the spirit of a human being to overcome and steward over painful, hard things. And some people have been asked to do it multiple times on multiple levels. And then they emerge from those experiences, not without wounds. No. You know, we're not forgetting what has happened to them, to go back to your question. 
But we see the refinement, the sacredness that has come from it and the wisdom. That does, I don't know another way. No one posts on social media, like nothing's been going on in my life and I'm so much smarter and wiser now. (laughs) Like I've just been sitting around, I'm actually richer and I don't know why. I've just been sitting here having no experiences. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I joke because I wrote three books in the With God series. I can do hard things. I can forgive with God. I can choose joy. I joked that if there was ever going to be a fourth, it was going to be, I can be rich and lazy with God. Like, <laughs> why can't I write that? So Nailing God can tutor it. me on that. Like, I'm I'm up for that plan. Uh, you know what? I, I have a good friend and she said once, um, her name's Liz, and she said, pain is the currency for wisdom. Mm. And that's what you just said. I just love that, that if we'll use our pain, if we, it will become wisdom. So thank you for that. I want, okay. I want to go two places and I um, don't want to forget. So I'm going to say them both out loud right now. One is I want to talk about the savior. You, you mentioned that and him, and I want to talk about his character of father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And then I also want to address when we th- when we let's start here because I'll remember to go back to the okay savior. okay when we don't know how to forgive or when we don't know how to speak honestly about our experiences and I think what a huge thing that keeps us from forgiving is not knowing how to speak honestly about our experiences maybe we've had experiences as children and our parents have said we don't talk about that right right we talk about Bruno. <laughs> We make a cake instead. That's exactly right. Or we, you know, we've tried to talk about it and recognize that the person on the other side doesn't know how to hold it or how to help you through it, right? So then we stuff it down and we decide we're just going to be nice. Yes. And we're going to keep having relationship with that person or we're going to keep, you know, engaging like nothing ever happened. That's when the wound, the wounded becomes a wounder. Mm -hmm. Like they... We hurt others because we haven't known how to address our own wounds. Or we numb out. Yes. And we're not actually in the flow of love or connection with anyone else. Maybe we're not wounding anyone, but we have numbed out so much that we're not really showing up. Which wounds the people that yes. love you, just so you know. Yes. If numbing is your only way that you deal with your pain, it hurts mm-hmm. to be across from a person who it's not there. has to numb. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I just want to say that really clearly that if we can't speak, like if we haven't addressed or spoken to our experience, it's probably not likely that you've worked through that process of repentance, but more that you've tucked it in somewhere and you're choosing to be the best person you know how. Mm -hmm. But that stuff comes up and it comes out sideways. Well, I love what you said of that. What if you lived in a family culture Mm -hmm. and the family culture was we don't we just don't talk about things. I mean, I've been married 33 years. I came from a family we yelled or talked about everything. And my husband came from a family that was less so. And they're not sure what to do with me 33 years later. So like, is she still talking? Seriously. They're like, she's going to write another book about that. Oh, no. You know, but I am now making sourdough bread. So it's fine. We'll just. And delivering it to them yeah, right here. Exactly. I do think one of the things that um, I just recently had an awareness of is that you know, for me as a mental health educator 
And in the wake of my sister's suicide, I've spent 10 years now writing and speaking about suicide prevention and normalizing mental health conversations. And one of the things I like to say is therapy is education. No one's embarrassed about more education. No one's like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get a master's degree. And everyone's like, please don't talk about that. Don't tell anybody. That is so embarrassing. (laughs) Why are you talking about all your education? (laughs) If we can frame therapy as a very broad umbrella term, especially in an era of podcasts where we get to have conversations via podcast listening that we couldn't maybe have 10, 20 years ago. Understand generationally, our parents and our grandparents really did the best they could with the tools they had. They knew the same 23 people. That's who they knew. They didn't know what Google Maps showed them across the world. They didn't have YouTube exposing them for good or for bad to all these different points of view. And so generationally, we get to have different conversations. I was just talking to my friend about this as she has parented adult children. That is one of the toughest places, quickest ways to learn stewarding versus ownership, which is what I teach. And she's handled something with an adult child differently than her parents did with her sibling. And I said, isn't that interesting that when we give space to have conversations around our pain, even if it's not in a formal therapy session, we are literally breaking generational pain. I agree. We are literally... The chains that held a, hold us bound. It's yes. profound. I hosted in my home a, a room full of women that are dealing with faith changes with their children and their spouses. Mm-hmm. And this is across the board. So the Baptist mamas, the LDS mm-hmm. mamas, the Catholic mamas, we're all worried about the same thing. Okay? <laughs> we are. It's all the I, same. The I'm, Jewish mamas, I'm, yeah. the Muslim mamas, we're all worried about the de-churching that's happening. And so this gathering of women, it was really for me to gather some information for an event I'm speaking at in May. And they all sat around each other and held space for pain. And one of the most important takeaways from that situation was, you know, they were talking about how to navigate in relationships with their children or spouses or loved ones that are taking a different path than they and the pain that's caused. And I said, if we don't, we cannot require the loved one to hold the space for this pain. We can't. That, that is too heavy of a burden for that relationship. So it's our responsibility to recognize I haven't processed this pain. I'm now doing behaviors to numb it or avoid it or push it down. Culturally, I don't have the tools to pull from because we didn't sit around the table practicing conflict resolution in my home. (laughs) I'm going to intentionally pay money for the education, aka therapy, So I have words to put around really big feelings. And I'm not going to put that on my loved one. I'm not going to make them responsible at Thanksgiving dinner to hold space for my pain. I don't even have words for it. That's so good. And I think whether it's a faith change, whether it's betrayal trauma, whether it's abuse, whether it's mental health needs that you're really trying to navigate because that other person isn't even aware that they have a diagnosis they're walking around with. We can find the education we need for that. We can find words for really big feelings. And when we do that, wow, we we do break generational chains. That's really good. And maybe some evidences that we have some things to forgive or to work through is, like you mentioned, numbing, um, busy all the time. We, yes. you know, we just fill our day all day, every day, all night. We don't take time to connect with ourselves, with others. Um, addictions. There's, mm-hmm. there's all kinds of 
avoidance. You know, I, I just I just don't feel like going over there. You know, I don't want to be instead of which is different. Why. Let me just say than boundaries and, and no. not giving access. Like I know I'm I'm a borderline. I could avoid life with sourdough. That's how much I'm enjoying it right now. And I I had the awareness last week. Oh, oh, if I'm not careful, this is much easier to just feed my sourdough start and make more bread. And so, yeah, that's the check for myself that even something good, education, um, getting things done, exercise, meditation. You know, I often joke like I would be the most Christ-like person if I lived in an ashram. You know, if I didn't have to live with anybody else and pay my bills and take my dog out when it's snowing and I'm yelling, Ruby, please go potty, you know, <laughs> it there's something about that, that there's a difference between is a tool a tool or is it an avoidance? And anything good okay. can become the addiction and the avoidance. That's it. Our strength becomes yeah. our weakness. Every time. There, yeah, yeah. That's really, yeah. that's really um, good clarification. Okay, I want to go back to the Savior. I want to go back because he's just experienced, well, first of all, he's and he's experienced a life of people jeering, um, questioning, mocking, all of it. But then especially he has this experience of, you know, if you're the king, save yourself and mm-hmm. let's put a crown on mm-hmm. you because so, you're the king. And, and <laughs> you know, just all that was he's just been in Gethsemane and now he's brought and he's take he's been taken to Golgotha and put upon the cross and his response is father forgive them for they know not what they do and when i think of my own life experiences and other people that i love that was not the first phrase out of my mouth mm. <laughs> And I, I, I believe in forgiveness. But when I'm wounded, my actual first thing is I want to hurt you. Like mm-hmm. I, because I want you to back up. Like you're not going to hurt me. You know that's a really human response. But when the Savior says, "Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do," and then He says He gives us this massive number, like forgive them seventy times seven. If someone hurts you, forgive them 70 times 7. I believe it it shows us the character of Christ and this invitation like, please, I love you enough. I love you so much that I want you to forgive them so that you can feel my love, so that you can be free, mm-hmm. so that you're not bound with the wounds and they're real, real wounds. The Lord's prayer is in large part about forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Right? Forgive us our debts. It's it's shown in that way as a debt, like we've created when we hurt someone, when we make choices. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. I for me, forgiveness is this constant invitation to. I can see you're feeling heavy. Mm-hmm. What else are you holding on to? Because my life was never meant to be heavy. Hard? Feel pain? Yes, but not heavy. Mm. I, I think as you were talking, what's so important to remember is don't skip over that the atonement Gethsemane was for your pain. 
not just for forgiveness of what was done to you. And so I would say, first and foremost, of course, your response. I mean, I felt that as you were sharing. I've been there where literally the only one who can say they know how I feel is the Savior. Mm-hmm. And in those dark nights of the soul and those kinds of prayers where I don't even have words to describe the pain I'm feeling, I have to sit with the Savior in that pain and allow him to take that. The problem I often have is, no, I'm going to keep carrying that. And so I would say don't skip straight to forgiveness if you haven't given yourself the space to feel feel the pain and allow the Savior to carry that. The second thought I had for you when you said that was a revelation that was coming to me in lifetime. So I've never had this awareness and it happened in lifetime. So don't act like I had this wisdom yesterday. I didn't. It is as of a second ago. I'm not ago. giving you credit. <laughs> right. It's as of a second ago. When that scripture says forgive 70 times seven, I just feel like being married to an accountant and that number alone That means that God was signaling that we are going to get triggered by that pain 70 times 70. It doesn't mean 70 times 70. You open the front door, invite them into your living room and allow them to camp out. It may mean that you are forgiving because God is saying it's going to keep coming up. Mm-hmm. And so maybe that situation isn't ongoing. And I think oftentimes when that sermon is taught, it's taught in the in the presence of the fact that we will feel the trigger come again and then another layer of it again and another layer of it again. And so the invitation was God's like, I know this isn't going to be a one-time swipe. Oh. Isn't that? You need to write it down. That was I, good. <laughs> I mean, literally, as you were saying it, I had only been taught it in the concept of, yeah, they're going to come and throw a rock at your house. You're going to forgive them. And then two days later, they're going to come throw another rock at your house and you're going to forgive them. Haven't we always taught it that yeah. way? Yeah. Yep. What if it's, no, I'm going to come bomb your house. And then you're going to keep feeling sadness as you have to clean up the rubble. Pull the shrapnel out of your... Yeah. Rebuild, re-landscape, refurnish. Every single time you have to go back to that place, that site of where the bomb went off, you're going to feel the pain. It's going to be another invitation to forgive. Mm. That was in lifetime. That revelation gave a lifetime. So, I mean, it's an invitation to me to realize, too, that God wants to hold our pain. And when we really feel held, when we really feel like our pain has been seen and heard, and that's why I think therapy is beautiful. It's not a replacement for a relationship with God, but I believe great therapists are God's workers on earth to help us process that pain. Help clear our lenses. Yes. Yeah. Then, then we we understand that, I mean, I think one of the greatest, hardest movies to watch is The Shack, if you've you just got right to my love language. <laughs> it's my favorite. Yeah, it's not a rewatch a lot of times with popcorn kind of movie. But if you really want to understand this concept of like, how far back are we going to go to the pain? Are we going to go all the way back to Adam? Really, that's where it started is a brother killed a brother. I mean, the first family that we have a record of, there was some conflict and there was some pain. I write in a book called Mother to Mother about what Eve must have felt as she loved that child that killed her child like i don't know i don't know where you dig 
in your soul to forgive in that space. And so these are big things. These are not little things that God has asked some of us to steward over. And I had many conversations with my sister about her abuse and her abuser. Um, I would say she never quite felt that relief and that pain. Suicide is the, the big last decision of someone's mortal life. I don't believe it's their eternal life, but their mortal decision, it changes other choices. Mm. And it's about pain control. When I get asked, what is suicide about? It's it's being tired of the pain. Because they don't, would you say, because they don't have the tools or they don't know? How well, I mean, I, had, I have a, a test case of my sister who, who had a lot of great therapists and tried a lot of things. I think she got tired. And I think for those that choose suicide, it's about at a certain point believing they don't have much left to offer the world, that the pain is louder mm-hmm. than all the other gifts that they have to bring. So anyone listening to this, I I often say my tagline is stay in your body. We'll never be better without you. Like my life's not better without Meg, even though I've tried to take that stewardship of suicide grief and put it back out in mm-hmm. the world with books and speaking. Um Meg has continued in my faith belief to progress and understand. And I think the movie The Shack does a beautiful depiction of like going back to the source of abuse and then where did that pain originate? And God in his wisdom and knowing gets to judge. But God isn't asking us in our forgiveness journey to not fill our own pain. He's asking us to help have his help in carrying that pain and removing that pain so we can move forward because the burden of not forgiving really is like that drag. And my life's every day got enough heaviness. You know, I don't want to take from yesterday's. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that that's, that's what beautiful. I would say. Thank you. And the shack, oh, read the book first yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> Our ability to heal cannot be conditional on anything else right it has it's our ability to heal is conditional on our our willingness to let go Mm -hmm. and to let god Mm -hmm. let go and let god and that's and that is the 70 times 70 that is the today it came up in this way i heard the song it reminded me of this or i saw this person or i saw a post on social media i'm not a part of that anymore because of someone else's decisions like these are heavy painful moments. And I would say the reason why God can meet you there is he understands. And so when he's asking you to walk some of those paths, he walked it first Mm -hmm. and he's not going to make you do it by yourself. Mm -hmm. As you were talking about Eve, I thought she's, she's, she started the club, the Mm -hmm. club of pain and the club of just are we willing to forgive? And I, as, I, as I think of our listeners today, they're driving in their car or they're sitting in their office or they're on a walk or they're, you know, doing their laundry or whatever they're doing. Making their sourdough bread. <laughs> I'm not kidding. If I don't get a loaf of that sourdough. <laughs> you are, Christy. You so are. mad. <laughs> but I thought, I'm in the club where I get to, or I get to forgive. 
I'm also in the club where someone gets to forgive me, Mm. right? And so I think all of us are probably in both of those clubs, but we're surrounded by really good people. Listen, if you're listening to this and I've hurt you and offended you, (laughs) I know I'm cilantro. I'm polarizing. You either like me or you don't like me. You know, my husband and my daughter, they're everybody loves them. I'm cilantro. (laughs) There's strong feelings about me. I'm very aware that in that conversation I had yesterday that like I don't wake up every day thinking I'm going to try to hurt somebody or make life harder for them. But I know my pure existence has hurt and caused trauma. And I just think open invitation. I'm willing to have that conversation with you. Oh, Gaitlin, I love that. Come talk to me. Come talk to me. Ask me for a walk or whatever. And let's get it cleared up because you've got stuff to do and I've got stuff to do and I've messed up and I've I hopefully am smarter today than I was yesterday. And and that that's the messiness of life. That's really sweet. And Thank the you. beautiful part of it too, right? Yes. Okay. I would I quickly want to know one thing. If if someone's listened to this whole podcast, mm-hmm. which is full of lots of gems, what is one thing that they could take away? I'm gonna can you think of that? What's one thing that you say? Start Under here. the principle of of forgiveness, mm-hmm. I would say if you can look at everything in your life as a stewardship, and if you don't understand what that is, I wrote a 68-page book called The Stewardship Principle. It's very on Amazon. It's very easy to read. If you can look at whatever is that thing that you're hurt by, that situation that you're trying to forgive and move through, if you can reframe it as a stewardship that God has trusted you with to give watch care over. Mm. Not a punishment, mm-hmm. not um, something to reward your neighbor. Why does your neighbor get to go to Hawaii? And that's their stewardship and yours is you were abused. That's a good question. Your spouse was cheating, <laughs> cheating on you. You've lost your job, whatever. We all have a list of stewardships. If you can look at that thing, that thing that is hurting you, that you're trying to move through and give more forgiveness to as a stewardship to give watch care over, how can you give it care? How can you give it some care today and not sit in judgment and anger? Because I promise you, as we give stewardship over those things that hurt us the most, the beautiful, miraculous things that come from that can't even be imagined yet. And the gift will come back to you. So whatever you have lost, whatever you have felt like has been taken, whatever has been done to you, I promise you, if you will look at it as a stewardship, and and know that God has trusted you with this hard, heavy thing. If you can look at it that day in a new way, it will come back as a gift. Maybe not today, not tomorrow, but I promise you there will be a day that you will stand or sit on a podcast and say, that was the gift. Hmm. Thank you. The Satikers said, staying here, blaming them, and forever defining your life by what they did will only increase the pain. Worse, it will keep projecting out onto others. The more our pain consumes us, the more it will control us. And sadly, it's those who least deserve to be hurt whom our unresolved pain will hurt the most. If you don't follow me on social media or Gainalyn, follow Gainalyn. <laughs> If you don't follow me, come find me at Do Do The Work Podcast. 
Where can they find you, Gainolin? The weirdest name on the planet, Gainolin. It's so easy to find me. Google's like, oh, it's her. There's yes, not going to be know two. Exactly There's not two. Trying. You'll know. <laughs> yes. So I'm on YouTube, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, um, Twitter, whatever the X is now. I don't know what we call it. I'm not super active there. Okay. There's not a lot of forgiveness over on Twitter, so I don't hang out there a lot, but I'm there. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome come and follow us there, especially I've just had so many thoughts about forgiveness as we've been talking that I will add extra on there as well. So you'll have many choices in your day and in your week. Gainalyn and I hope you'll choose to do the work. If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, share a written experience or ask me a question, go to coachchristy.life and fill out the podcast questionnaire and we'll be in touch with you soon. There are no dumb questions or experiences, just opportunities to learn and do the work. Have a great week.